everybody, and welcome to another edition of Entrepreneur Rx, where we help healthcare professionals own their future. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Entrepreneur Rx. Joining me this week is Dr. Rishi Verma. Rishi is going to be an aerospace engineer turned medical doctor. He's also an entrepreneur and co-founded a company called Steffi which is near and dear to my heart because it's an AI machine learning company that provides really diagnostic aid to physicians in their clinics. So Rishi, welcome to the uh, program. My pleasure, John. Thanks for having me on board. Of course. So this will be this will be a fun discussion because you do a lot of things that I love. And so let's yeah. start. Give us a little bit of your background because it's about as interesting as a person can get. Yeah. Look, I've had a bit of a varied background. I looked out before doing medicine, I was actually working as an aerospace engineer locally here, and I was involved in designing thrusters, thrusters for spacecraft. So wow. one of my projects was actually developing an iron thruster for this small type of spacecraft called nano spacecraft. And yeah, we, we developed this iron thruster that actually could get spacecraft to Mars within 30 days. So that was quite an interesting experience. That's what my, my background before medicine involved in. During sort of engineering, my engineering days, I took a few biomedical units and I had a very good mentor who sort of, sort of uh, guided me through my engineering days. And uh, he said, look, Rishi, you should probably take up medicine. I think you, you enjoy it a lot. I think you can bring, you know, your, your skills in engineering and medicine and combine them. And so that's how I pursued my medical degree. I sat the exam and somehow I got in and here we are. So, okay, so you did, did you do four years of aerospace engineering? Yeah, that's right. It's, it's, four, it's a four-year degree back in Australia, so undergraduate degree, and then I did uh, four years postgraduate of medicine. Wow, okay, and then you spent some time in NASA while in undergrad, right? I did a small little internship there. I had a small internship, sort of secured that through winning my so there was a thesis prize that, that they were organizing and part of that prize was like a experience at nasa so i won that prize as i designed this thrust i was talking about and yeah it was, it, was, it was quite a good experience actually that's very cool so so then you what did you take any time off between undergrad and medical school i had a year off so i i did a bit of research i just was doing a bit of research regarding you know the, the, the thruster i designed and would try to commercialize it and we, we ended up patenting the, the design and it's still in the commercialization process as you would notice it's quite a long protracted process of getting approvals and testing and getting the final product so in the meantime i sort of got into medicine and, and pursued medicine as well now does australia have we're diverging off here yeah. a little bit but does australia have <laughs> a aerospace program it's a very very small one it's a very good question i mean we don't have a huge program compared to the states or for example europe or even asia it's a very tiny program we only recently opened a space agency a few years ago the australian space agency before that we had we didn't have anyone who was sort of controlling our space agency here so it's a very very niche program so I think they accept about 10 11 people a year in that particular program so it's a very small niche program Sure. Okay, so you did four years of medical school, and then how long is ophthalmology in Australia? Ophthalmology is uh, four to five years, depending on whether you want to further do a fellowship in a particular field, or you can just do general ophthalmology. It's four years. So yeah, it, it's quite as you can see, it's quite a long and protracted sort of, uh, sort yeah. of course there. Yeah. It is kind of similar in the States, I guess, you know, in medicine, it, it's a postgraduate degree here. Most of the universities only offer postgraduate medicine. So that means you have to have done an undergraduate degree prior to doing medicine. 
The only difference is in Australia, you don't actually get onto a residency program straight after medical school. So you have to do two years of, of a general, general sort of stream. So you do one year of an internship and one year of a, what we call a residency, which is just a second year of your internship. And then you apply to apply for each college to, to get on the specialist program. So it is a little bit different here. Wow. It, it's, it's a more drawn out process. Yeah, it sounds like it is. And so did you know, when did you know that you had this entrepreneurial bent to you? Yeah. Was it in undergrad? So look, growing up, honestly, look, I always had a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit in me. Look, I was selling pens out, out in, in, in the hallways at school and, and, and hustling all the time and making a quick buck here and there. So I, I always had a bit of a spark in me, but it was during my internships, so straight after I finished medical school, look, I noticed so many inefficiencies in, in how healthcare was, was delivered here, particularly in Australia, and also, also within the Asia-Pacific region that I had a few ideas that I wanted to pursue, and that's how I came on Steffi. So we launched Steffi during my internship, and it's been going strong ever since then. No kidding. So how long has it been going on for? It's been going on for approximately three and a half to four years so far. That's excellent. Yeah. Can, you, can you give people an idea of what, because I've done my research, obviously, but yeah. give people an idea of what Steffi does. Yeah, so as you mentioned, it is an AI platform, but look, in terms of what we do exactly, so we enable life science companies to help promote their therapeutics to doctors. So here, as in everywhere, there's a big problem with education in terms of providing education to doctors about upcoming therapeutics or medical devices. You know, when I was practicing medicines, I hardly knew about the, you know, the, the upcoming therapeutics that were, that were out on the market. So what we did is we created a platform for the life science industry to create on-demand digital content in order to promote their therapeutics. I'm not sure if you've heard of the company called Canva. It's like a design, online design yeah. studio. Yeah, so we're basically the Canva for healthcare. So we enable this rich form of digital content that gets sent out to doctors so they can be educated about you know, therapeutics or medical devices or products in the medical field. That's Steffi or that's pre-Steffi? That is Steffi. So, so okay. pre-Steffi, we were experimenting with a bit of AI and we had some AI products pre-Steffi, but Steffi is actually a sort of an education platform for doctors. Now, but does it also allow patients to input data? Because I was looking at your pricing plans and it looks like you can patients can input data, it auto-registers them, and that comes up with an AI machine learning driven diagnosis. Yeah. So we have multiple products in Steffi. So okay. that, that is another offering we have. We have an AI triaging platform that's been used by clinics in and around Australia as well as the Asia Pacific area. So essentially, it automatically triages patients based on their presentations and symptoms and gives doctors a pre diagnosis based on what, what the patients have come up with. So it's essentially an efficiency tool. So it's a workflow tool. So just to manage waiting rooms and, and make, make the whole triaging process more efficient. Here in Australia, and as I imagine also in the States, it's, it's quite an, an inefficient process. There's a lot of patients waiting out in the medic, you know, in, in the waiting room with, you know, minor illnesses and, and to quickly triage them and, and see them quickly is, is, I think, the way to go and, and to reduce waiting times. So that's what we did. That's awesome. I'm smiling because I love this concept a lot years and years ago and I've kind of wrote these algorithms that were not AI by any stretch of imagination, right. but they, they attempted to do the same thing. It was if this, then that. So yeah. this yeah. is, yeah, this is near and dear to my heart. How did you, where did the AI come from? Did you use natural language processors to yeah. read peer reviewed journals? 
That's a very good question. So we essentially designed our database from scratch and our AI has been designed from scratch. So I've worked with a very talented co-founder who I met through uni, one of my good mates who did engineering. So we worked on this project together and essentially he coded all our all our algorithms But whilst I spent about two or three years developing this database. As you can imagine with AI, it, it's all about the data and, and the type of data you have. The better the data, the better the results. So uh, our goal was to have the best data we can get in order to, you know, have the most accurate algorithm out there. So what I would do literally, you know, when I was studying medicine and, and during my internship, I would go through textbooks and look at each, each disease and write down their symptoms. I would also then and what, write down associated words with that. You know how, so in terms of layman terms, you know how the patients, they won't necessarily talk about, you know, symptoms in terms of medical language. They would talk about layman's terms. So I'd sit there literally for hours on end and, and just reproduce layman terms about what patients would talk about. So that's how we came up with our database, essentially. Wow. Okay, so you didn't really use peer-reviewed journals. You actually vetted the, the medical literature and then tied the symptoms, tied the complaints to the symptoms, put that in your database. Now, so when the patient comes in now and it says, so I walk in the clinic, I give a list of symptoms and Stephanie says, I think this person has X. Does it give yeah. three diagnoses and does it rank order them by probability? Yeah, that's a good question. Look, it, it does. It ranks each well, pre-diagnosis, as we call it, based on the probability likelihood of that happening. So usually we offer the top five diagnosis based on the symptoms. The whole system is very configurable. You can have 10, 10 sort of pre-diagnosis, but obviously the lower down you go, the, the least accurate it gets. So we sort of constrain it to five diagnoses, and that's been working well for us. Now, does auto-order test based upon the diagnosis? In other words, so the way I tried to build this was, yeah, yeah it was if this, then that. And it would say, okay. Yeah. We think this is going to be a UTI, and if it's a woman yeah. between, you know, whatever, it gets your analysis, your pregnancy test. Yeah. Is it auto order test? Yeah, look, it, it doesn't at the moment. So our whole ethos is not to essentially replace the autonomy of the doctor at the end of the day. We essentially want to augment their functions to so make them more efficient in terms of their their practices and, and their clinical diagnosis. So we've only been, you know, been giving them pre-diagnosis. What we also do is we order summarize, you know, clinical notes. So if a patient comes in the presentation, we sort of summarize that presentation and, and then place that in, into their clinical notes. So that's right in front of them, waiting for them before the patient's being seen. What's the interoperability like amongst different electronic health records? You know, does, you yeah. know, do you have Athena and you have all the, you know, e-clinical works, everything in Australia? We have Cerner here, so which is a, a, a top. Oh, I know you know, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So the funny thing here is it's not standardized in Australia. So every clinic, every hospital has a different form of EML or electronic medical record. And the tricky thing is developing a framework where we can actually integrate at the back end. So like an API, for example. So that's what we've been doing. You know, each sort of software has their own API and integrating with their own API is a bit of a pain, to be honest. So we're trying to do an API for each sort of medical software out there at the moment. Yeah, I'm involved with an AI company now. Yeah. And I think they're, think they're integrated with seven different ones. And, and you're right. Yeah, yeah. It's, and they're not integrated with Cerner, actually, but it's got to 
I mean, incredibly challenging to map, you know, what your guys are, what you have in Steffi, and then try to map it into the variety of EHRs that are out there. That's got to be daunting. So I talked, I mentor some, you know, these kids who are in college and want to go to medical school. One of the things I always tell them is it's probably going to be important to look for specialties that you cannot be displaced by AI. So the easy ones are pathology, radiology, of course. Mm -hmm. But I think even internal medicine and you know, possibly mm -hmm. neurology, the real intellectual specialties, you wonder if the need for us is going to be less because AI is going to supplant a lot of the time we spend with patients. Mm -hmm. what, what I, I agree with you, John. Look, um, especially in the diagnostic heavy specialties, you know, even, even in ophthalmology. So I think there's a real revolution happening at the moment in medicine in that AI is taking over the diagnostics area of each specialty and where the doctors are fitting into that picture is sort of the clinical management side of things. So you'll have AI essentially giving you a diagnosis and you're then going ahead and managing each, you know, or looking at the likelihood that this diagnosis is right and then managing the, the disease. So I think it's heading towards that, that direction. That's what I've seen in you know, speaking with a lot of colleges and, and specialties particularly in radiology and ophthalmology, you know, in ophthalmology, you've got Google doing the retinal scanning and, and coming right. up with, uh, yeah, you know, diabetic retinopathy. Yeah. 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 So that's been huge. And at the end of the day, I, I think it's the right direction to, to go down towards because it all boils down to patient safety at the end of the day. If AI can, you know, come up with diagnoses accurately and we can then go ahead and manage those diagnoses accurately, then I think it's, it's a win-win for everyone. Is what sort of in Australia, what sort of registration do you have to, for example, in the US, if you have a device that you have to register with the, ADA, yeah. the FDA? And AI is a little tricky because at the end of the day, at least at the companies I'm familiar with, the AI is suggesting diagnoses and the physician is the one who picks them. So ultimately, the physician still has the yeah. brunt of the responsibility. They can't say, not me, blame the computer. Is it the same in Australia? That's the same. It's the same here. So we have a similar system in place where we ultimately give autonomy to the doctors in, in doing the diagnosis. The AI serves as just an assistant or uh, a bit of a tool that's used to help the diagnostic process, but ultimately the, the signing off is done by the doctor at the end of the day here as well. Have you managed to put Steffi outside of Australia yet? We have. So We've been partnering with a few life science companies overseas, particularly. So we've we've got a few of the top ten pharma companies on board using our software. So that's been that's been quite good to see. I mean, we, we've we've always wanted to go down that road, route because of the scalability. We just feel that you know life science companies getting a hold of our AI and our products can actually scale scale quite quite well, and we can see results quite quickly with, with them as well, because obviously they, they serve thousands of doctors and patients, so that's why we went down that route. Yeah, I think that's genius. Is Australia a single-payer system, or is there multiple insurance plans there? That's a good question. It's a bit of a hybrid model. So most of our healthcare is covered under Medicare, so it's government-funded. Most of your elective surgeries, like, you know, your, your cataract replacements, uh, you know, your joint replacements are mostly private. So there's multiple players out there in the market that, that do that at the moment. So it's a bit of a hybrid model. So it's not quite like the US system at the moment. Are emergency departments there overcrowded? In other words, yeah. are people using yeah. emergency departments? So that's the same? 
Yeah, it, it's the same here. I mean, it, it's been particularly with the, the COVID crisis happening at the moment, everyone's been in lockdown here and, and ED departments have been overflowing with patients. I mean, th- there just aren't enough hospitals here at the moment. Our population is just growing rapidly and, and the doctors here are just struggling to, to manage that. So I guess that's another thing with, with healthcare at the moment. It's just a, the, the efficiency crisis that's going on across yeah. the world. So I, you know, been thinking through this model in, in the past. Tell me what you think of this. If you use DEFI, I always call it air traffic controls. I, I like to fly, so everything's you know yeah, related right, to right. radiation. So DEFI <laughs> became air traffic control. So let's say I'm a patient in Australia. I log on and I go through the DEFI process, and DEFI at the end of the day says, "Look, you don't need to go to the emergency department. You're going to be fine in the clinic, or you'll be fine with telemedicine." And if I still yeah. to the emergency department, that's fine, but now I'm paying for it because now it's truly elective. Do you think yeah. there's a model there where you could place Steffi as this mm-hmm. basically yeah. virtual air traffic control that's trying to basically guide patients where to go based upon the symptoms? There definitely is. The only issue with that is you, you introduce a lot of legal problems into that sort of model as well. I mean, if you direct them to the wrong place, for example, and it's incorrect and the patient has you know sort of a, a downturn, then it's, it all comes back to you. But I think the way around is always having a, a person or a qualified individual over overseeing the, the the whole process. And I think that's what we're doing at the moment. We always have someone who's sort of monitoring the algorithm and, and seeing the correct outputs are, are given, essentially. So that's probably the way to go, to be honest. Now, so you, you would be described as a, as a technical founder. Where would you tell our, you know, our listeners to find someone like you out there? Because I think a lot of people, not a lot, but some people have you know pretty interesting ideas, but they don't have your engineering background. I'm sure yeah. you have a computer science background. Where do people find someone like you? Well, I mean, I guess the answer to that is, is, is just universities. If you're studying, if you're studying in medicine, look, obviously, I mean. There's so many people out there in universities that you can just approach. There's societies that you can join. There's the computer science society, engineering societies, or robotic societies that you can just go and join and speak up and network with people. So that's how I've met my co-founders and I've met my business partners before, just through these societies and events. The other important thing I would I would recommend listeners to do is, is just go to open days. I mean, you'll have these AI open days that we have in Australia where these big companies organize these meetups. You know, for example, Microsoft recently organized an AI meetup in Australia. And that's a really good way to meet new people, network, and discover, you know, new things. So just going out there, putting yourself out, out there and networking is, is the way to go. Certainly. What's been your biggest challenge as you scale your business? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge for us is, is about human capital. Here in Australia, it's, I think, you know, finding the right developers and machine learning engineers is, is hard to come by. And that's been a real difficulty for us, um, finding the right person to, to join our team. And that's why we've been looking, you know, in the overseas market, particularly in the US, because there's so many great individuals out there, you know, that have that amount of experience that we're looking for. And this whole work from home scenario has been really beneficial for us because, you know, we can just hire people overseas and they can join our team and work, you know, work from overseas. So I think that the lack of talent at the end of the day is, is what we're trying to overcome. So that that's our biggest challenge at the moment, just finding the right person. And then how about your sales organization? So how have you yeah. gone out there and promoted it? That's a good question. Look, so we've been hiring a lot of pharmaceutical reps, medical device reps who understand this industry, who understand the healthcare industry quite well. And we found that, you know, these type of individuals serve quite well for us in terms of understanding the technical knowledge needed to sell this product. 
So, you know, I mean, pharmaceutical reps or medical device reps ultimately sell to doctors at the end of the day. And that's what we're doing. We're selling to doctors at the end of the day as well. So there's a real common skill set out there that that's been really beneficial to us. What, what do you think? What is an entrepreneur? What was your biggest aha moment? Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good question. Look, I've probably had a couple, but the biggest aha moment for me was when I spoke with the head of Novartis, the, the ACMA head of Novartis who covers Asia, Africa and, and America. So, and he was talking about, you know, this whole scenario that they were having with reps not being able to reach out to doctors efficiently. And that's where I had a light bulb moment struck, struck me that, you know, we can use Steffi to sort of reach out to doctors in terms of educating them about, you know, therapeutics through our platform. So that was probably my biggest aha moment. And that's how we've grown quite rapidly as well from that. So it's interesting. So, you know, there's another obviously revenue revenue model with your platform, which is collecting data and then yeah. selling, that, selling that data back. Have you gone down that path yet? Well, we're not actually selling our data. What we're doing is providing a platform for these life science companies to input the data in into the platform so they can educate the doctors. So I'll give you an example. So for example, say you've got Pfizer launching a, a new type of drug out there on the market. There's this major problem at the moment, particularly with COVID, is in that, in, in that how would you reach doctors at the moment? You know, there's finite amount of reps out there. There's thousands of doctors that you've got to reach to. And, and how would you do that? So what they've been doing is they've been using our platform to essentially create on-demand content about that particular drug and then distribute that content digitally to, to the doctor so they can have that content on their phone or iPad or laptops and, and, and go through that. So that's how we've been overcoming that program, so educating doctors at scale. What do you think your exit is? Look, that's another good question. Look, I think our, our exit would be probably partnering up with a, a big pharmaceutical company or even your, your CRM providers like Viva Systems, for example, that they have a, a real need to reach out to doctors. So that's something that we're looking at. And I, I think we're heading down towards that route as well. But it seems like you can bifurcate your business because they're very different models, obviously. You have the Steffi version, the AI version of Steffi, which is helping the providers act as a virtual triage or assistant. And then you have the digital side of it, which is educating physicians. It seems yeah. like you could split, am I correct? You could split the kind of different businesses. They are different products. I wouldn't say they're different businesses. So they, they essentially function on the same backend or the same platform. So it's essentially just a different offering based on our customer. Could, could you sell to the pharma companies and say, look, if you want to get your message in front of providers, pay for their AI, pay for the AI assistant for them, because that way you're, you'll be embedded in their clinic because you're paying for it. Maybe you think that's a model that would make sense? Uh, I definitely do, do think that makes sense. That, that is a good, good way to go, go down towards, but there's a lot of regulatory hurdles as well that we've got to overcome in, in that area. So there's, there's a lot of challenges that we're, <laughs> that we're facing with that, that aspect. Yeah, I know, I bet. Well, so you, you probably tell me excited about things like this. Well, Rishi, where can people get a hold of you? Where can people learn more about you? Yeah, so, you know, you can go on our website, steffi.co, or you can contact me on rishi at steffi.co. I'm more than happy to answer any questions that you, you might have on that. Thank you. Well, let me hear one final question. What yeah. advice, because there are going to be people listening to this and say, that dude is really cool. Plus, you have a cool accent. What, <laughs> right. Other than the accent, like, what advice would you give to you know, people in medical school and people yeah. who are pre-meds who say, look, I want to go down this path. I want to save the yeah. world. 
Yeah. I want to be this guy. What advice would you give him? Look, the number one advice I could give you is, you know, start now. I mean, there's no better time to start than now. I mean, if you have an idea, if you have a concept in mind, don't delay it. Start experimenting. Start speaking with people. Start networking. Get your idea out there and start building something, you know. If you can't code yourself, get someone who can code for you and, and start experimenting. And that's the way to go. It's all about the experimentation process and achieving product market fit. And in order to do that, you have to start now. Yeah, very good. Did you have a hard time? I keep asking questions. How did you do the minimum viable product with, yeah. you know, there had to be AI driven because there seems like there really isn't an MVP in this world because you can't make a mistake and it can't, the MVP can't be, we're only doing, you know, sinusitis. If it's, you know, that's our, that's yeah. our MVP. How yeah. did you pull that off? Look, it, it, it's, it's a good question. It, it's constantly evolving. So you, what we had, we had, you know, I think a set of 300 or 400, 350 diseases that we started off with. And then we started adding on more and more diseases as we went along. So we had an MVP product, but we then started iterating each by, by each disease. So we, we, we keep building on. I mean, it's not like we've stopped. We just keep, we keep building on. Sure. So there was a screen that said, I have no idea what the hell's wrong with you. Have a nice day. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of. Well, it, it kind of said, look, see you, doctor. So we didn't really say that, but <laughs> it kind of did at the end of the day, to be honest. <laughs> You're an enigma. Have a nice day. Well, Richard, this has been great. Thank you very much for being on this program. No, my, my pleasure, John. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Thanks so much for having me. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to another great edition of Entrepreneur Rx. To find out how to start a business and help secure your future, go to johnshufeltmd.com. Thanks for listening.